Blog Talk Radio. everyone, and welcome to the 485th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers over at onceametro.com and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. The chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. Before I begin my intro monologue, um, I would like to uh, give my condolences to the family of Daryl Grove. Of course, he was one of the hosts of the Total Soccer Show. He lost his battle with colon cancer. And, you know, you see the uh, pouring of moments of people in the soccer business, t- broadcasting, playing, uh, you know, to see what happened to Darrow. It was very, very tough to see that and uh, very hard to see a, uh, a fellow podcaster go down the way he did. Um, I never met him. I've, I've never known the man. I've listened to his show maybe once or twice here or there. I've had, unfortunately, my own issues um, that I don't really want to get into, unfortunately. But let me just talk about Daryl for a moment. You know, uh, a very dedicated man, a very dedicated person to make sure that the show got what it needed to be broadcasted about, not just this wonderful game we all love so much, but just to make sure that him and his partner or his uh, show, co-host um, had – uh, their spin on what soccer is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. We Sometimes we take it too seriously. I admit I take it too seriously sometimes, but, you know, Daryl obviously tried to put it into a fun position, and uh, he did his best to make sure that everyone listened, got his point of view across, and all you can really say is that this man will be missed tremendously. And I, I only hope that the show will continue on um, in his name. I know he was married. I know uh, he had a loving wife. And uh, for the Grove family and his parents um, and to all of his friends, um, I am sending my condolences to everyone for this loss, uh, a tragic loss in my book, a very nice guy, a wonderful person, and uh, all I can say is is that I hope uh, he is resting in peace right now, and, uh, and that he's no longer in pain. I, I know what it's like to lose a loved one. I know what it's like to lose good people. Obviously, losing my father to Parkinson's 
has never been easy for me. I'm still struggling with that loss uh, in my life because sometimes I feel like, have I done enough to save him? Have I tried enough to save him? And all I can say to the Grove family is just try to remain strong. Try to remain vigilant. Go out and just remember the great moments you had with him and the good things he's done for you and in your family. Uh, And let's not forget about what he did. And um, obviously, if you go on Twitter, Total Soccer Show has... Uh, the co-host, his co-host has been putting up updates and everything else. But I just want to say to Daryl Grove, to I'm sorry, sorry uh, for the for his loss, you know, in the podcasting world of soccer podcasting world. And I really do hope his family uh, will survive through this and uh, just remember the good times and the good moments you had with him. Daryl Grove losing his life and his battle to colon cancer over the weekend. Once again, my condolences to uh, his friends, his family, his co-host for the Total Soccer Show, and he will be missed tremendously. Moving forward now to talk about what's happening now with the U.S. men's national team. A friendly has been uh, scheduled for next month. Thank goodness. We are running low on dates in 2020 for the possibility of our U.S. men's national team to get friendlies in, whether they are from MLS or playing in Europe. Um, There is a date now for Thursday, November the 12th, which will be on the road in the country of Wales in the United Kingdom. It will be at the Liberty Stadium in Swansea. Uh, that'll be at 2:45 p.m. Eastern, so that should be 11:45 uh, in the uh, late morning on the West Coast Pacific time. That will be broadcasted on Fox Sports One uh, in English, Unimas uh, TUDN uh, in Spanish. This is the first match since this coronavirus has really killed off any form of international matches moving forward and trying to make sure that our players, whether they are from MLS or playing in Europe, are going to get the necessary um, minutes to go out there. Now, I don't know if we all know in official matches, uh, there's the five substitution rule, friendlies, it's a six substitution rule. I do not know. Um, if we are going to get maybe nine subs or ten subs, that I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to wait and see what's going to happen if there has been changes for friendlies. If just for now through this coronavirus there might be more substitutions, positions available for both coaches, we'll have to wait and see. But obviously that's going to help out uh, for our players to get ready for some international competition for 2021. Everything has been pushed back due to this whole coronavirus. Obviously, a second wave has been ramped ramped up uh, on its own, and uh, hopefully this whole thing will pass so we can get our players back 
into the swing of things for our national team, and hopefully they can go out and do it. Here are some of the uh, situations moving forward with. In 2021, CONCACAF Nations League, both the semifinals and the final, will now be played in June instead of March. And, of course, those semifinal matches, it will be the United States taking on Honduras, while Mexico will take on Costa Rica. Um, CONCACAF Gold Cup has been slated for July, so that has not changed. World Cup qualifying has changed. The October-November dates for this year for the first round and including in March for the second round of 2021 has been pushed back. So now it sounds like it's all going to start in March for the first opening round games. When the second round will start, I don't know. But, but for the U.S. men's national team, the final round will begin. The eight-team octagon will begin in September of 2021. That means we'll definitely see six matches being played in the back end of 2021, September, October, November. Obviously, the draw is going to be in April. Will that be pushed back? I would have to assume so. Because we all know around end of November, it will be the FIFA World Cup in Qatar for 2022. So my guess is that it's going to be jammed in there. I think we might see December and January being used for FIFA international dates. And it looks like it might be... And once again, this is only speculation on my part. Only speculation on my part when we're talking about these international dates in months. It might not happen December and January. But the truth is, is that you're going to have to really start doubling up these matches. You're going to have to get at least one month, which they were trying to do for June of 2021. To get four match days in one month. That might have to happen in either September or October or November. Because we need to not only get these first round matches done and dusted. Also need to make sure that that second round gets played in CONCACAF. This is the most hard hit continent when it comes to World Cup qualifying. We are watching UEFA Nations League matches being played, qualifiers. They're being played right now. And very soon, very, very soon, we're going to have the UEFA World Cup qualifying draw on December the 9th. This is going to be a very interesting setup. Once again, it's a situation where you're seeing everyone doing their own World Cup qualifying preliminary draw, not done by FIFA, done by the individual confederations as they do it on their own. Oceana still has not done on Oceana still has not set up a date for World Cup qualifying preliminary draw. I know there's not a lot of countries in it. I understand that. I also understand that it's not the most uh, paid attention to 
confederation in the six that are here in the world of global football. But if you really look at it, you know, these situations must be done and must be taken care of. We got to make sure. We got to make sure that every single match in World Cup qualifying must be completed. I know second round in the Af- in the CAF has not been given. We're still in the middle of qualifying in Asia for that second round. We don't have teams qualified already for the final round draw, or for the, at least for the final round draw. We got to have all of this situation taken care of as soon as possible. Maybe the draw gets pushed back for FIFA World Cup for the World Cup final itself, but until then, until we get some word and we get some confirmation, it won't mean a damn thing unless we get this done. And once again, we all have to remain strong and vigilant. We all must continue to wear our masks. And until we get back to a safe level where all of us can be at the arenas, at the stadiums, at the grounds to watch our national teams play at home in World Cup qualifying, until then it's going to be empty stadiums. But we're going to have to wait and see. All I can tell you, folks, is that this whole pandemic has been a real pain in the rear end, an absolute pain in the rear end. And I understand why it had to happen with all the quarantines, with masks wearing or mask wearing. We got to remain strong and vigilant until we can get to a safe position to letting a full stadium open up again, no matter if it's football, soccer, or any other sport in this continent or in this world. We all have to make sure, we all have to make sure that everything goes to plan and that everything goes the way it should be or else it's all over and it's all kaput. So let's just move forward. Let's just get ready. And let's hope we can get World Cup qualifying underway. Let's get this draw ready to go. Let's get it started. Let's go and get and have some fun. That's all we need right now. That's all we got to have right now. And then we're going to move forward and be much better than we were before. So let's go ahead. Let's move forward. And let's have some fun. I got a great show for you tonight. I got Mr. Matthew Cox on, unused subs. A podcast down in Tampa, Tampa Bay Rowdies and the USL Championship in the Eastern Conference Final. Knock off Louisville City to get to the final, the championship final game. They'll be on next weekend. But joining me right now, all the way in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, my good friend, Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blogs, Soccer Today, the sports podcasting network with uh, Kevin Laramie. We had the issues with the Supporter Shield not being presented this season. Now it's being presented this season. Want to get the view of Dwayne about this situation because, and it's great to have Dwayne Rollins back on. I know he's doing well up in Canada, and we hope everyone is uh, safe and sound up there, Dwayne. Welcome back. Um, you know, when when you first heard the news, and as strange as the whole setup was, that out of the blue, just 
not going to be done because of this pandemic. Was that the strangest thing you've ever heard or, or at least was told about? Because, I mean, I, I would like to think that everyone, you know, should have been told about this. And then all of a sudden it just went haywire. Yeah. Um, look, what I always said, and, and this is if you followed me publicly on my Twitter account and, and elsewhere on, on my show, you know that we were pretty strongly and I was pretty strongly opposed to the decision that was made. Um, if you just took that at face value and didn't look at the nuance of what I was saying, you might think that I, I disagreed completely with the logic that, that perhaps it didn't make sense to award a regular season uh, championship trophy this year in Major League Soccer. It wasn't quite the case. What I really took it issue with was how this came about um the timing of it in particular it's so late in the season when you have a, a season as weird as it has been where these players are competing and putting it out there week in week out uh, right up till three weeks before the end to suddenly have the rug pulled out and say this this trophy that you thought you were chasing is no longer on the table now i'm in toronto and you could rightly say that perhaps it was a little more front and center because at the time of the announcement tfc was leading the supporter shield race that is a fair assessment, but it also was, the, you know, the rug was pulled out of, under Philadelphia, who now leads the Supporter Shield race, and, and this would be their first major trophy if they were to finish that off. Um, Columbus, Seattle, Portland, you know, Portland less so now that they're the result of the weekend, but, but nonetheless, these were all clubs that were still chasing the Shield realistically, and, and even just in general, the idea that this, Supporters Foundation, which we understand if you've followed this league for a long time, which I have. Um, my uh, time following Major League Soccer predates Toronto FC. I, I first professionally covered it in 2003, so that is five full years, sorry, it's four full years before TFC came around. Um, if you understand the history of it, you understand why the foundation exists, but to me, this was an overstepping of what they're supposed to be there for. It is not the job of the current leadership there to make judgments like this without a public debate. And if you wanted to have this conversation about the shield, it should have been had in April, May, June, lots of time back then as we're leading up to MLS's back, even July, I would have accepted it before the restart, but to actually get into the restart. And then just three weeks later on a Saturday morning, on a tweet, as far as I could tell, there wasn't even a formal release of any kind that I could find anywhere. Forgive me if there was, but it certainly wasn't widely distributed. If so, to just put this out there, completely catching the league and the players association off guard, not to mention the fans. That's just to me, either just bad management, misguided thinking or worse off. And I don't know the motivations of these people. I can only see how they acted after this was announced that they made this announcement knowing that there would be people opposed and they did it in such a way so that they thought that they might be able to slip it under the table and, and get away with it. And that's kind of where my issue with all this came about. And I don't blame anybody. I mean, look at, you know, how many moments you've had about these shield runs. I mean, you know, either it's been a clear cut, uh, you know, flat out, there's nothing. It's just one side going after it, and they've done it from start to finish to, you know, like you've just said. I mean, we had a shield race with the Red Bulls and Atlanta United back in 2018. We got a shield race now with Philadelphia and Toronto. And like you said, some of the other Western Conference teams are going for it. And then 
this announcement just comes out of nowhere. And I have to admit, I liked what Greg Vanny said. I liked what Greg Vanny said. You know, you, you put out the word to these players that, you know, this is what you're going to play for for the regular season. No, you're not winning the league title at the end of it because we have to go through the playoffs. But still, though, it's important to win this championship, not because you're the best of the best uh, in the regular season for 2020, but, you know, that comes along with a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League for 2021, even though technically Toronto will still, you know, if, they, if you did play the Canadian Championship this year, uh, which that's the only way to do it unless uh, that got, uh, you know, suspended as well because of the coronavirus. Um, Toronto, you know, with every right to uh, advance into the Champions League uh, to go forward in that sort of sense. Uh, there, there is, just quickly, there is a Canadian Championship. Uh, it will be uh, Toronto FC is, is in the final. They uh, got that berth by virtue of having the most points during the second phase of reopening against just the Canadian teams when they played each other. They they kept a separate standings of that. Uh, TFC had the most points in those uh, nine games. Uh, so that they have advanced to take one spot. The other opponent will be for Jeff C, which is the champion of the Canadian Premier League. So they will play a one-off game. TBD, um, whenever TFC's season is over, because they're obviously in Hartford right now, and uh, they can't really organize <laughs> until they can figure quarantines and and all that sort of stuff out. It's as complicated as everything else is in 2020. But, yeah, um, you know, it's just an important race in terms of the competitive nature of it. And, and again, you know, me being in Toronto, I try to stress the other the other teams involved in this. If you're a union fan, if you're the union this is the first major trophy that you've chased. And to take that off the table to me just seemed completely ludicrous to it. Also, look, I understand the history of the field, the shield better than most. I have been following this league for a long time. As I said, I respect the history. I respect the um, organic nature in which the shield came about. I like the traditions involved, how it is uh, technically presented to the supporters of the team that wins it rather than, than the team. But the reality is that this is now what the founders probably wished for, that this is a a shield, a trophy, that players and organizations aspire to win. It has evolved from the quaint sort of beginnings where it was kind of a fan thing only and has now got official recognition. And with that comes a greater need for cooperation with the, the bodies. Otherwise... If the Shield people had forced this through and forced their will through, which to me represents a very Puritan or very, I don't know, hipster kind of view of what this this thing should be by a very small minority of fans in this league that represent sort of a certain attitude um, that is found in the usually behind the goals with people with flags and tifos and things like that. Uh, they they sort of have some attitudes that don't necessarily reflect the general belief of, of most average fans. And this kind of decision sort of reflected that sort of extremeness of that. Had they forced that through, they're, they're, I think you ran the risk, quite legitimately ran the risk, of the league either A, deciding to devalue the shield in terms of its importance, to not promote it anymore, to not, you know, give them the space that they're used to over the past few years, or B, thank the Supporter Shield Foundation for their time, or thank them for their, their shield and their efforts over the 20-some years that it has existed, 21 years this year, and 
make their own trophy and add all the sponsorships to it. And instead of chasing the supporter shield next year, we'd be, you know, going after the Taco Bell shield as presented by Manulife, you know, like that would have been where we're at. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I mean, it was really a strange thing to see this, whole news thing pop up out of the blue. I, I really didn't understand why they did it. I didn't really understand why all of a sudden they just came out of nowhere and just just decided to uh, say we're not going to bring it out this year. And, you know, like we said, and like you've already said, look, we understand that this whole pandemic has been a real pain in the rear end. I mean, I know you're, you've been going through it. Uh, Kevin's been going through it. Your, your colleagues in Canadian soccer news has been going through it. I know I've been going through it. Many of us have been going through it, and it's not fun. You know, I want it to be over with just as much as everyone else does, but we got to remain strong and vigilant. You know, I haven't – look, I haven't seen my mother since January after my after um, my, my father's tombstone was unveiled after he passed from Parkinson's. And, you know, it's been rough. I haven't seen my mother. I haven't seen my grandmother, and we all understand this. But to just pull the wool, you know, I mean, excuse me, pull the rug, you know, from under us just to say, yep, we're done. It's not, it's over with, not this year. That's wrong. It's just a wrong decision to make. Now, uh, watching Red Bulls and Chicago Fire on Saturday night, apparently now the Shield will be presented to whoever is going to be running the whole Shield table at the end of the season on decision day. Do you feel that the members of the Independent Supporters Council and the Supporters Shield Foundation, you think they finally made the right decision now to say that we're going to let the Shield be presented to whoever wins in 2020 in the regular season? Yeah, well, one of the things that came out uh, in the six days between them announcing that they weren't going to award it and the reversal was that there was a really unfortunate uh, lack of consulting with the general uh, membership of the uh, independent sports council from the sports shield foundation that they essentially made a decision amongst the five members of that board and without informing the general population other than in a single post on slack uh, in a sub forum which is just a ridiculous for a decision this major for them to make that kind of decision again speaks to suggest to me that they were trying to slip something slip something past us, but nonetheless. Um, once that came out, they, they had a full vote to the Independent Supporters Council. Um, I have been told that the this result of that vote were 15 members voted in favor of awarding the Shield 11 um, voted to not. Um, at that point in time, although I disagree with the 11 members that dissented, I, I, I do and would have respected a democratic process that occurred. So a democratic process did occur. The majority of members, um, so each club that's involved in the Independent Sports Council has a vote, one vote per team. The majority of teams that voted in this uh, voted for it. So to me, there's no question that this is the right decision because that is the will of the majority of the participants in this uh, Independent Council. And if you want to legitimately represent the voice of the supporter, which the Independent Sports Council suggests it does, then you need to respect that voice. And if that voice does not necessarily – if that voice – um, want something that doesn't necessarily reflect your personal views, you need to put those views aside. Um, if you know there has been some indication that those on the the board have uh, indicated their their not enjoyment of this decision and have made their their own choices because of that, and that's their their right. Uh, but I think that respecting the the will of the majority is is the right 
way forward here. And, you know, hopefully they've learned from this and that there is a codified and formalized process moving forward uh, to prevent this type of decision from being made by such a small minority of people moving forward. Um, I think at the very least, any future decision regarding the awarding of the shield should have to go through a full vote as this one has. The Columbus Dispatch had a quote, don't remember where it is, I just saw this on Twitter, where when the rules were laid down, the competition was never balanced, uh, Mr. Hughes said. Uh, the Shield went, oh, this is Morgan Hughes, actually, uh, who's part of the Columbus Crew supporters group. Um, the Shield went to the number one seed going into the tournament, period, and for five unelected people who installed themselves on some committee and who answered to nobody to suddenly subject it to a purity test, that's just reckless and embarrassing. And the truth is, that's right. Because you know as well as I do, Dwayne, when this league started and – you know, after it lost a certain amount of clubs, it went from from first from 10 to 12, then from 12 back to 10. And then after a couple of years, Real Salt Lake came in, Chivas USA came in. We all know they left after a couple of years. But still, though, more clubs are coming in. More clubs are coming in. And even though it's supposed to be both Austin FC and Charlotte FC – Charlotte is going to be coming in. They removed themselves from 2021 to start in 2022. So regardless of what happens, Austin's coming in by themselves next season. So regardless of all the whole unbalanced situation, I mean, that was a poor, very poor example of why the Shield originally was not going to be presented because you've seen teams, either one team or two teams, entering a brand new year. Nashville now that started the season in the Western Conference, now is in the Eastern Conference. So now you have at least more than 10 teams in the East. You still have, I guess, 12 teams in the West, maybe 14 teams in the East. Austin's coming in. That will make it 13 for next year. Uh, you know, this, this whole situation at the time just did not pass the smell test. Yeah, I, I uh, on our show, uh, Kevin Larry and myself on Soccer Today, uh, we spoke to Stephen Sirk of Columbus, who, if you don't know Stephen, he's written a couple books on the crew. He used to work for the crew back in the last part of the, of the last decade. In fact, he was embedded with the club during their championship season in 2008, wrote a re- really good book that you can probably track down on Amazon uh, or wherever you buy your books uh, that you should take a look. If you believe, like the history of this, this league, uh, seek that out. But uh, we talked to Stephen, who was, you know, to paraphrase Hamilton, was in the room when it happened. Uh, back in 1999, and uh, he quite clearly indicated to us that that the intention of the founders of the Shield, to continue our sort of analogy here, uh, were was not to have subjective opinions of people trusted with uh, with the Shield to to get in the way that they they had debated at that time when this this was thought of and and came to conclusion that that this was going to go go forward. They talked about this very thing, that there's unbalanced schedules. And at that time, they had shootouts, which had points involved, right? So they thought That's about right. creating a separate ta- – yeah, they thought about t- creating a separate table back in 99. And, it, and ultimately, they decided that, no, the way forward, because this league was always going to be a little bit different. It was never probably going to be balanced. Maybe the odd season here and there. But by and large, it would rarely be balanced. That the way to do forward was to simply respect the rules of Major League Soccer and award it accordingly. And as you say – Look, 
there's too many teams for this to ever be a true single table. That's be we're not having a 50 game season, so that that's just not going to happen. You know, home and away, it'd be 48 right now, right? That no, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. There will always be an unbalanced season forever and ever more. And in fact, it's more and more likely that we're going to get into conferences or even division play in in the near future. And I know that makes a lot of people cringe to think of, but that that's likely where we're headed. What the history of the Shield is at that point, I don't know. But it'll probably just keep going to the highest points because that's really the only way you can do this. And then it is that, you know, the asterisk debates get into this. And sure, there'll be an asterisk on everything this year. I talked about this on my own show today. Like, this season is weird. When it ends, people are going to look at it and go, eh, were they a real champion? My answer to that is, yeah, they were under the criteria that existed this year. And you can debate the merits of that. It's just like, forgive me for this, but it's just like how people – will debate TFC's treble in 2017 and say it doesn't count because the Canadian Championship is such a small field, such a small competition. And I'll say, well, it, it's still a treble. They still won three trophies. You can debate the value That's of right. that third trophy all you want. That's fair, but you can't take away from the fact that they won three. It's the same thing with the Shield. You won't be able to take away the fact that someone had the most points in the regular season and therefore gets the Shield. You can then compare it to other years and say, well, yeah, they're a Shield-winning team, but they're not as quite as good as – you know, if TFC does end up coming back and passing Philadelphia again in the last three games, you could say, well, sure, they won the Shield, but it's not quite the same as what they did in 2017 where they dominated all year, right? And that's, that's just sports. We're going to have a barstool conversation now, right? Not the website. The, that's right. You know, literally sitting on a barstool. I don't know <laughs> if you guys remember doing that. We used to do that. Yeah. No, I understand. All right, Drane. So, listen um... – I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for coming on, and I'm just glad the right thing was done. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's see if the shield gets uh, rewarded. Okay. Cool. All right. Bye. All right. Take care, Dwayne. Thanks a lot. And that is Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog, also a sports podcasting network, Soccer Today Show with Kevin Laramie, as we talked about that. Now we're gonna go, and I know I haven't talked much USL. Uh, it's just been as you know, like the really weird, wacky year of course with the coronavirus but you know what though something big happened over the weekend eastern conference final of the usl championship league as the tampa bay rowdies take out a very this difficult and a very strong louisville city that has done wonders for the last four five six years whatever you want to call it i've lost count from the unused substitutes podcast that covers the tampa bay rowdies matthew cox joins me tonight matt Welcome back. It's been a hey. long time since you've been on the show. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Um, All right. You know, this was, th- th- this was probably one of the best second halves, one of the best actually East Finals in the USL Championship League we have ever seen, especially when this was the, uh, the inaugural year of Lynn Family Stadium. And what a hell of a facility it is over in downtown Louisville um, to get a victory in that cauldron. That must have taken a huge amount of cojones for the Rowdies to now host this final next weekend at Al Lang Stadium. Uh, it it was insane. Like it, it, it's a beautiful place. It, it's it, it's a massive upgrade for anybody, but especially coming from where Louisville had played their previous games at Slugger Field. Uh, the Rowdies had never won in, in Louisville. Part of it is I have to chalk up to the the the, the surface that they played on. 
but but all credit to Louisville. They're a, a great team, a great organization. They've put together a great facility. Uh, they had a great season. They, they got they got off to a rough start. They lost three of their first four games at that stadium, uh, but hadn't lost since July 29th. And 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 I was I had predicted a 2-1 victory going into this, uh, but it was it, it still took it. it you know. I've been following the team since they started up again in, in, in 2010. It's the best game I've seen them play that in this entire stretch. It, it, it was absolutely amazing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, we all know the history of the Rowdies, the old NASL, uh, the reinvention of the NASL, now in Youth Hall Championship. I mean, look, you guys, I mean, you know, management has been absolutely fantastic to get – uh, the right type of players to play uh, in that system and to see them opening. I mean, that opening goal three minutes in in the first half was unreal. I could not believe what I saw when you got uh, Steinberger to just absolutely catch the Louisville City napping and he pokes it in. I mean, that when I'm watching games, this is always – I always want an early goal, uh, and I always want a goal right before halftime. I think that's the the best way. You take the crowd out of it if you get the early goal, and you take the uh, you, you kind of put the, uh, the 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 I don't know the fear, whatever you want to call it, into the other team's head. If you score like in second half stoppage or first half stoppage, sorry, and they they hit that on the head. It was a picture perfect first half, a, a the <laughs> the perfect time for Steinberger to get his first goal of the season. Uh, in a setting, in a in a game that meant uh, as much as this did, one of the things I, that I, I kind of have have said was a knock against the team in recent years is they get they're, they're a very good team. They've been they've been a very good team, but they haven't really hit that like upper level yet. They they run into some of these games where it's almost like a like a like a statement game, a chance to show that they're they're you know one of the biggest teams in the league. Uh, and, and they haven't gotten it done. Well, this is the second time in two weeks because they beat Charleston, uh, who had beaten them three times this year, the only team to beat them in the, the modified uh, return-to-play format USL had, and then they went on the road to Louisville and, and won a game uh, with literally everything on the line. So uh, they have, they've been a, a different team almost when the playoffs started. And they were a very good team to start with, but it has gone up uh, several notches at this point. No, it really has. And as you said, Guanzati, who's been, you know, playing forever in the lower levels, I mean, Mm -hmm. his contribution in first half stoppage time uh, was a thing of beauty. To see them go up 2-0, and obviously we all know 2-0 is the most dangerous scoreline, except if you're Spurs. I won't get into that. <laughs> right. But any. <laughs> oh yes. But, uh, oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. You 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 better believe it. <laughs> like I said, I will get into that. But honestly, um, you know, when they're up two nil and you get an early goal in the first half and a late goal towards the back end of the first half, I mean, you must have been in dreamland. Even though you got to keep yourself calm, you know, because. You knew that Louisville City was going to make adjustments at halftime in the locker room, and uh, I believe that that was an own goal. I think it was that got converted from your guys right. by mistake. But still, though, um, the truth is, 
even though Louisville was knocking on the door, they had nothing, did they? They had absolutely nothing. I mean, sure, they could have done a lot of damage, but to me it looked like the defense was there, your keeper was there, ready to go, and you really shut the door. You know, I was really uh, really looking forward to this uh, this matchup for a couple reasons. Is, uh, number one, we have not faced an offense like this all season. Uh, we didn't play Louisville during the regular season. Uh, our defense has been strong, but they also, you know, the teams we played were not on the level of, of Louisville City. Uh, at the same time, I felt Louisville hadn't really faced a defense that, that could do what our defense has done uh, and this is where we were going to find out, like, how good either side was. Uh, and and, and I, I will never attempt to pass myself off as, as some kind of analyst, but I, I said on our show last week, uh, if we can limit Cameron Lancaster, uh, if we can take advantage of our opportunities and create chances, then I think we have a chance to win this. Uh, and they did. That Guinzotti goal is a perfect example. Uh, swooping in to this kind of ball that's squirting around in front of the keeper, uh, and Lancaster, for the night, had four touches total uh, in, in, in the Rowdy's box. I, they did an incredible job shutting him down, which I didn't know was, if it was going to be possible. Uh, I knew they would get a goal somehow. I, I didn't predict it was going to be in your right. It was an own goal uh, chalked up to Max Lakowiecki. Uh And I want to talk about him for a second, too, because that happens in the first half, and that's the kind of thing that can shake your confidence. Uh, but they play the rest of the half strong. About midway through, Lakowiecki gives up the ball in in, uh, in the Louisville end and uh, sets, uh, sets a counterattack off that is kind of wide open, and he chases the guy down from behind and, and takes him down with a perfectly timed tackle that, of course, at the time the Louisville fans did not uh, agree with, but if you watch the replays, it's clean. That being said, I'm still not sure how he didn't get uh, a, a card because we know how the officiating can be in, in these leagues, in the lower leagues sometimes. I, I didn't know if in that moment he was saving his, his career or if that was going to be the last time we'd see him in a, in a Rowdy's uniform in that combination. But he made up for it. He had a number of friends and family in attendance at the game. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he gets the own goal, but he certainly uh, he certainly atoned for it. And, and I I'm, I'm just was – so happy to see uh, the, the game go that way for him. You know, Neil Collins has been your head coach for a while now. Um, I, I mean, I know I've watched him a couple times in the Open Cup, uh, a little bit in uh, USL action. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who does not get flustered that easily. You know, obviously he's examining what's on the pitch. He tries to adjust as much as he can. Uh, he assesses everything in front of him cool, calm demeanor, you know, when you see him finally exploding uh, in relief that the Rowdies on that final whistle finally being blown, uh, to me, it just sounds like all this hard work finally paid off, and he doesn't have to be uh, so demure, you know, in his technical area or sitting on the bench. What, how do you feel for Neil right now, your head coach? Because to me, you know, this is like a job well done almost. It's been amazing to watch him because this is a guy who you know we had a, a bad start to the season two uh, two three years ago. Uh, the head coach then Stu Campbell was let go, and and Neil Collins was honestly our probably our best player at the time uh, at center back, kind of playing the, the 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 doing the job that Forrest Lasso does now. And he went from 
being the captain of the team in an open cup loss to uh, Jacksonville to the next weekend, he was the head coach and it's his first coaching gig. And he, so he got through that half a season. Uh, last year, we got off to a great start, kind of struggled at the end, went into last season's game, playoff game at Louisville, uh, not riding, not in the best form, not, not extremely confident and got bounced in the first round. Um, and I actually, so the, the Rowdies were hosting this, like, haunted stadium event uh, at Al Lang last year, and I ran into him the next day. So they, they came back after losing to Louisville, and he was out there at the stadium the next day bringing his kids to the uh, the haunted mansion thing. And I, I chatted with him for a few minutes and, and uh, just talked about – he started talking about kind of his plans for the for the future. And he, he said, you know, we've already made a signing. That turned out to be Lewis Hilton from St. Louis. Uh, we're we're going to bring in – we're going to kind of, you know, beef up at these positions. And he – he, I'm just so happy for him because you can tell watching a team sometimes, uh, whatever sport it is, when, when there's a, a plan and when the plan's being executed. And Neil has had a plan in place since day one and has, during his development as a coach, been able to put this plan in, bring in these guys uh, to play these roles. Evan Loro, the, the goalkeeper, tweeted out a picture uh, of him kind of going face-to-face with Neil back when both were players, when Evan was with uh, Red Bull, uh, the Red Bull 2 organization. Uh, and then yeah. now, like, a couple years later, here they are holding a trophy. Like, that's the kind of guy Neil is. He's extremely passionate. Uh, he doesn't live too far from me, so I bump into him some, some time, time around town. And, and, and he's, he's an amazing guy. Where, when he started, I mean, we were, we were pretty blunt on the show. It was like, you know, the guy's never coached before, and he's a fan favorite and, and everything else, but how is this going to work out? And it it's worked out beautifully. Uh, manager the, the with the team changing ownership from Bill Edwards to the Tampa Bay Rays organization, they have let the soccer people do soccer stuff. Uh, and Neil's been great. And I, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures that have been posted on the the Rowdy's Twitter account from afterwards. One of the benefits of having Neil doing this job now is is and I said he was a fan favorite like the supporters just love him to death. Uh, and he actually had some of the banners that, that typically hang in Al Lang Stadium from, from Ralph Mobb and the Skyway Casuals. Uh, he had them in the locker room. They had gotten a hold of them because they're stored at the stadium. Had them in the locker room. So as kind of a way, you know, there were about 50, 75 supporters there, but all of us couldn't be there uh, because of the state of the world right now. But he made sure that there's the, the, the supporters were represented, not just – uh, in the stadium, but inside the locker room, like it, it, it just, it, just so happy to see how this is working for him and how it's turned out for us too. It's, it's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, you know, this has been a rough time with the pandemic, you know, all these zoom, uh, windows, zoom rooms, using zoom to watch these games and, you know, cheer on your, your guys, whether they're at Al Lang or on the road. And I know it's been a crazy, nutty, weird year that you know got stopped after one some some clubs after two games and look what's mm-hmm. been going on now it's just been absolutely fantastic to watch and now you got a team where they were supposed to host the final you know regular season championship winners uh in USL championship in phoenix rising we all know the situation that happened between them and san diego loyal in san diego um junior flemings will be suspended because of that and they lose the hosting the final rights um, for this final. Do you feel that this is all lined? I mean, look, the Rays are in the World Series. 
Tom Brady is doing <laughs> damage with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Rowdies are in the USL Championship final. I mean, you know, this is something where you just never thought you'd see a possible treble for one town. Sure, there's been threats of a double with an NHL and NBA team playing in the same city, playing in the same arena for a possible title. That's never happened. Or maybe it has. I just don't right. remember who it was. Last one I remember was in 1994. The New York Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. The New York Knicks, on you know, trying to win the NBA championship, lost the Houston Rockets. I mean, how good does Tampa Bay have it at this point in time? Oh, and I also forgot the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup in the bubble in uh, in Canada. I mean, you yeah. got one team already winning a title. Buccaneers having a good season. Rays in the World Series. Now the Rowdies. I mean, what party will that be for? Forget even a treble. It, it's a quadruple if it happens. Yeah, I mean, we've had uh, uh, Stephen Stamkos shouting out the Rowdies on Twitter. There, there, there's a whole big. Uh, there's a whole ha- uh, Team Tampa Bay hashtag where all the teams kind of celebrate and encourage each other uh, on social media. It's been great. I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I was born and raised in the Tampa Bay area, moved away for a little while, came back and, and live here again now. Uh, somehow we're America's sports capital right now, and I, I don't know what to do. It, it, like, just it, it, Here's a game. Here's another win. Here, here's a wild win to a World Series game. Here's Tom Brady, uh, you know, throwing, accounting for five touchdowns. Here's the Lightning winning. It's insane. Uh, I, I would like to see. I, I was jo- kind of joking around because the World Series will end. It's either I think Tuesday or Wednesday, Game Six or Game Seven, depending on what happens. You know, if we could pull it all off, I'd love to see just one giant parade of all the teams and all the trophies. Uh, you know, if we're gonna play in the championship game. We're going to have it at home. It's our, the game has already sold out the limited number of tickets that they have. Uh, Phoenix is, is undoubtedly a great team. Missing junior Flemings is, is going to, is going to hurt them. I think a little bit, oh, yeah. uh, but they're in the mm-hmm. championship game for a reason. They've got a, They've got, uh, you know, Flemings is a, uh, is a former rowdy. There's another former rowdy on the team right now over there. Darnell King, who uh, is, is a native of Tampa. So it's kind of like a little homecoming for him. It, it, there's there's lots of little backstories to this game. Uh, I'm always gonna gonna, gonna back my guys, especially when we're playing at home. We've only lost at home once all year. It, it's gonna be a great matchup. I, I was just reading on the USL website that because uh, uh, 538.com has been doing uh, percentages for uh, predictions for winning the game that they've got the Rowdies as a, a 51% favorite. It's going to be that defense versus uh, uh, Phoenix's offense. And even missing Flemings, you're still a very, very good offense. Just have to see if we can keep uh, Asante from punching one in. No, you're going to have to. I mean, it's going to be wild. It'll be on ESPN, obviously. A family network will definitely be on regular ESPN uh, for the USL Championship Final. It'll be in Tampa Bay. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know it's going to be a heck of a night at Al Lang. And let's see what would happen if the Rays are the ones to uh, bring that title home. First title since the uh, NESL returned. And I know that's when you beat Minnesota Stars uh, in Mm -hmm. that final uh, all the way back in the day. But, Matthew, all I can say is this. Just be careful. Remain strong and vigilant. Wear your mask. Please stay safe. And hopefully it's your guys that did the damage, all right? 
Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I've got my tickets. I'm going to be there. Uh, I was there in 2012 when they beat Minnesota in that second leg, and uh, that that was kind of the that kicked off everything to us starting the podcast. And it, now it's been uh, eight years to get back here. Uh, so when your team gets there, don't ever take it for granted because you don't know when it's coming around again. But I can't wait to be there on on Sunday night. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Have a good night. Good luck. Take care. So long, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me on again. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Matthew Cox, Unused Substitutes podcast covering the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And boy, oh boy, they're all having fun in the Tampa St. Pete area. It's going to be a very wild ride on the weekend. USL Championship Final will be on ESPN. Definitely Mike Watts, Devin Kerr will be on the call for that. And it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. Now we're going to move over to New York Red Bulls discussion. As all you can say is with this Red Bulls team, and I understand uh, Struber is coming to take over next season, but if I can just say this, if it's my imagination, that's fine. I believe... That this team, with the players that are on there, these young players, and at the same time, the veterans that are part of this, they are taking on the demeanor of their interim head coach in Bradley Carnell. And to see how – he's probably saying, Bradley Carnell, it's not me. We're just trying to get back to the philosophy we were under you know, before we got into this rut – and I think so far, he has done that. Bradley Carnell has found ways to get this team uh, in the right frame of mind. And maybe it is uh, the Red Bull way, but still, though, I-, I think he has done it in his way at the same time. Scratching, clawing, getting into position, and you know, still putting on that press in Red Bull style. But I truly believe that Carnell has found a way to get them going. Now, there's still some struggles with the forwards, obviously, especially Tom Barlow. Um, And I'm not trying to go against Tom. I know how hard he works, and I know what he's trying to do. His touches have been, uh, outside of the Montreal game, I just feel like his touches have not been there. Um, Especially the 2-2 draw, or should I say the the 2-2 equalizer, where um, that ball got deflected and went towards him. He did not have a great first touch on that ball. And and he had a wide-open net. The ball got away from him. But thankfully, though, even though he did get a touch on it and it got blocked by the defender, Brian White was there to poke it home anyway. But still, though, you know, when you're watching Tom Barlow playing right now, I'll definitely say it. It's a sophomore jinx right now. Um, And I think we all know he would like to be better. And I believe that's what he's trying to do. As of right now, uh, he's having a difficult time, you can tell. Even though he's been put in great positions by the net to poke one home, score one, tap it in, smash one in. The truth is, is that for Tom Barlow, uh, it's been difficult for him 
to control that ball and to take a very solid first touch. Um, once again, Caden Clark, um, what can you say about this kid? You know, complete package, uh, has a hell of a rip, not just in Atlanta for his first goal in MLS or his first professional goal, period, in MLS, but the... Oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. But the uh, the second goal he scored against Toronto, where he collects the pass from uh, Mark Schakowsky, goes across, and then he rips one, you know, hard into the uh, back post in the upper 90 on the inside of it. So, you know, you're seeing great talented players getting better. Brian White now. Uh, tied with the most goals with Kyle Duncan. Who, Kyle Duncan has looked solid and strong as a defender. Scored a hell of a goal. I, I, I have to tell you, I don't know if Kyle Duncan should be suited as a backliner. I, I would like to say um, they should allow him to be up top or at least be a midfielder. I know he's a fullback bringing up the ball and running back to play defense, but uh, defense, but I wouldn't be surprised. If uh, Kyle Duncan would find a way to uh, go in there and just attack as a striker or at least an attacking midfielder, I would give him an opportunity there if he would like to change positions. And then maybe you get Mandela Egbo to take over that right fullback position permanently. We'll have to wait and see and to what Struber will do. But still, I, I think Kyle Duncan has shown some promise to be a – Better attacking player, maybe a two-wayer in the midfield and the wing on the midfield. We'll have to wait and see what happens, but he looks to be solid and strong in that. And, um, you know, this team has become the cardiac kids, the comeback kids. After that victory against Atlanta United, 1-0, they go out and get three straight draws on the road at Toronto in Hartford, Connecticut, at home against Orlando City, at Chicago against the Fire. This is a team that's showing resiliency now. They're still young, still feel it's a rebuild of some sort. But you have to say this. You you, you have to say that for this club right now, and there's still some issues you can tell, that final third is still failing them. They had many opportunities to get at least a second goal, or even if they did score a second goal, to get a third goal. And it didn't happen until second half stoppage time. And it's nice to see the late heroics coming in. But somewhere down the road, especially in the playoffs, you've got to have a way, and you've got to find a way to get this team going and to play a much better 90-minute game. Ryan Mera, I think, has proven to be a better goalkeeper than David Jensen. Jensen has done a decent job as a backup, but once again, in his, this stage of his career, he is a backup, and that's it. I really cannot see David Jensen uh, being a starter in this league. Ryan Mara, hopefully no more injuries for him, has proven to be a solid starting goalkeeper. He has made saves all over the place. 
He has done a great job. Uh, hopefully no more injuries with him. But as I said already, he has done a fantastic job keeping the Red Bulls in these matches in goal. Obviously, he's led a, a goal here and there in, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. Caden Clark, you know, this kid is unbelievable. This kid is just unreal. You know, I talked to my colleagues in Minnesota about him, and they're like, well, we didn't even know about this kid. We had no idea about this kid, how great and talented he is. I mean, he, and look where he is now. Now with the New York Red Bulls, we all know they'll be probably going to Europe sometime very soon and uh, with Red Bull Leipzig whenever they're ready to call him over. I would hope that uh, Leipzig would allow him to remain here in MLS for next year and then have him transfer in the middle of, you know, just before uh, somewhere in the middle of the 2021-2022 season over in the Bundesliga because at least you'd like to see him have a full year here in MLS to see how he can handle the situation. And so far, he's done a great job. Excuse me. He has done an excellent job of running rampant and getting to positions not only score, but to set up plays. And I think what you saw in that second half from him where he lost the ball, fought back, to cleanly uh, win the ball back from Chicago and then create a chance out of it. That is something you'd love to see from a kid like that. That is something uh, I would rave about, to seeing a kid like that going forward and attacking and just to save possession, regain possession, to go forward as Caden Clark is showing what type of a player he has turned out to be and what he can be down the road. But as I've said already, you know, you got three matches remaining. This upcoming Wednesday, home to New England Revolution, must get a win in this one. <clears throat> remaining in the tri-state area, on the road at Yankee Stadium on a Sunday night, against the New York City FC, and then the following Sunday at home, Decision Day, Toronto FC coming in. This is a situation where the New York Red Bulls must, I repeat this strongly, they must find a way. They must find a way to go out and sweep all three games. If they do that, They'll be in the driver's seat, and they'll get out of the playing round. Now, amazingly enough, their road form has been tremendous. They've only lost twice on the road. So one more road game in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium. If they can get a result in that game, they've only, lost, they've only dropped probably six points in the loss columns where they've gotten a win on the road or a draw on the road. That has been incredible. You lose in Orlando, you lose in Philadelphia, where that could have been a draw, too. They only lost 1-0 there. Victories on the road at Atlanta, at D.C. United, uh, at um, draws 
Oh, yeah, win in Miami. And that's about it. I mean, you've had a draw mostly uh, against Toronto in Hartford, at Chicago, a victory on the road at D.C. United. This team so far still has issues, but they've found ways to get points on the road, which is very hard to do in this league. Very, very hard to do in this league to get points on the road. So, uh, once again, it's a situation for this Red Bull team. You draw at Salt Lake. Um, These are considered away games, I guess. But this is the welcome back uh, to the MLS's back tournament. Um, But on the road... You uh, Oh, yeah, the 1-1 draw at New England, August 29th. The 2-0 win at D.C. The 4-1 win at Miami. And once again, the 1-0 win at Atlanta. The 1-1 draw at Toronto. The 2-2 draw at Chicago. Only so far, only losses were to Orlando and to uh, Philadelphia. Other than that, they've been fantastic on the road. So... We'll have to wait and see what the Red Bulls will do moving forward, but three games remaining, and then we'll wait and see uh, when the schedule will start. Will the Red Bulls be in the playing game, or will they not be uh, in the playing game? We'll have to wait and see. So we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen, and we're just going to have to wait and see how the situation will be. So it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, if there will be a trade made. Probably not. But still, though, you never know. And we'll have to wait and see what the situation will bring for this New York Red Bulls team. Uh, Other than that, it's been fun. It's been interesting. And uh, let's not forget Monday after, excuse me, Thursday afternoon, November the 12th. United States taking on Wales in the Liberty Stadium in Swansea. Let us hope that we got a good one here. So far, uh, MLS in points, Philadelphia Union, Toronto FC tied with points, 41. (coughs) First and second Union right now in first. Columbus, number three team. Orlando City, the number four team. New York City FC have not clinched anything yet. They're the fifth team. The sixth team is New England. Seventh team is the Red Bulls. Eighth is Nashville, ninth Montreal, tenth Inter Miami, and the rest of the way, Chicago Fire, Atlanta United, DC United, FC Cincinnati. In the West, Sporting Kansas City still hasn't clinched anything. None of the West teams have clinched anything. Sporting Kansas City in first, Seattle Sounders in second, Portland Timbers in third, LAFC in fourth, Minnesota United in fifth, FC Dallas in sixth, Vancouver Whitecaps in seventh, and the San Jose Earthquakes in eighth. And in the bottom four, it is Real Salt Lake, Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids, and dead last, the LA Galaxy. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. So far, it's still plenty for up for grabs, and we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen as we move forward. So I want to thank my guest tonight, Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog, Soccer Today, Sports Podcasting Network. 
Matthew Cox, Unused Substitutes Podcast, Tampa Bay Rowdies. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. This Friday night, the NPSL Soccer Show returns. Olympiak, excuse me, Panathinaikos, Chicago, will be joining me, new expansion team for the league for 2020. So can't wait to talk and more guests coming that way. That'll be for this Friday night. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Take care. So long. Bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Good night, everybody.